Hey everybody, how's it going? Thank you so much for listening to the podcast version of my radio show, Famous Dead People, the only show that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. If this is your first time listening to the show, uh, please keep in mind that Famous Dead People originally airs as a radio show on Radio Free Brooklyn. So when you hear me say things on the show that sound more like radio things, like saying what time we air and stuff like that, that's the reason why. Uh, You're about to hear the episode where I interviewed Dennis Farina, played by comedian Christian Palak, and Steve Jobs, played by comedian Peter McNerney. In this episode, uh, it breaks my heart. The audio is a little off. Uh, but I think it's really funny, so I hope you stick with it, even though things are a little gravelly and peaky throughout the episode, but I was like, this episode's just too funny to sacrifice to the shitty audio. Uh, if you like the show, and you want to shoot us an email, or you want to hear an interview with your favorite Famous Dead people, hit us up at FamousDeadPeopleShow at gmail.com. We love hearing from fans, and we'll try to get your favorite dead person on the show as soon as possible. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Rate us five stars on iTunes. Tell your friends. Leave a comment. All that garbage. It helps us out so much. And now, enjoy Dennis Farina and Steve Jobs on Famous Dead People. It's time. Time to start the show. Famous Dead People. Oh, you know. Famous Dead People. Famous Dead People. My guests today on Famous Dead People are Italian-American actor and former Chicago police officer Dennis Farina and American businessman, inventor, and co-founder of Apple Computers, Steve Jobs. Dennis Farina and Steve Jobs, welcome to Famous Dead People. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Mm -hmm. So my first question is for Dennis. I didn't know that you were originally a cop in Chicago before you started working as an actor. Is that right? That's right. Uh, Geez, from uh, 19... What was it, 1960 to 1981? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was working actually as a police uh, consultant for Michael Mann, the director. Yes. And uh, developed a relationship through that and then kind of, you know, a career blossomed out of that. Mm-hmm. Was there something that, that you think drew Michael Mann to you? Like, you know, he, he could choose any cop to be a, uh, a, a, a cop on set for veracity's sake you know a consultant and he chooses you right yeah no and and that's the funny part about it was originally it was just kind of a joke uh he walked by me and he said hey you wear an english leather the uh cologne and i said yeah how'd you know and he goes well i'm a big english leather fan stop it you guys were both huge english leather fans right we all bought our cologne in the drugstore back then and that's what they had and mm-hmm. kind of uh, michael noticed that about me and that just opened up the conversation so i don't know mm-hmm. if that was the thing that did it or not mm-hmm. but uh that was the, uh, the door opener okay mm-hmm. and so he was like hey we both wore the same cologne maybe you could yeah, and then, he started, and then he started asking me cop questions and all that stuff, and I just kind of... Was we, that something that happened a lot? Like, people just, as soon as they find out you're a cop, they want to ask lots of cop questions, like, what was it like? Did you ever kill anybody? That's well, exactly, thing. and, you know, it's the same thing as when you when you find out uh, somebody's a doctor, and you say, hey, would you mind taking a look at this thing on my arm for me, mm-hmm. or something like that, and, yeah, you know... I think people have the assumption that it might be frustrating to answer questions all the time, but if that's what you do, you know, I think you have to I've be got able- a tremendous amount of cop questions okay mm-hmm. i don't know that i can is this answer a, i mean will this annoy you like if steve jobs asked you cop questions yeah. dennis farina no 
No, not at all. I mean, what's, what's your number one cop question, Steve Jobs? Uh, I want to know, what is the single most horrifically violent, visceral thing you've ever seen, and is it possible to describe it in a way that it will make us feel as if we were there? The most awful thing that you, Dennis Farina, witnessed when you were a cop, asks Steve Jobs. As a cop, like on duty? Or off. Or off duty. Or off duty. Like. I would even add to that maybe something that you saw when you were uh, an actor and hadn't been a cop for a while. Okay. So I guess the most horrific thing I ever saw was this guy got, uh, he got chopped in half, uh, was was basically the, the end result of it. Um, he was uh, standing in this intersection over on uh, Broad and Whitehurst, and uh, I was doing a routine traffic stop. Uh, and then and you were a cop at this point. I was a cop at this point. Okay. I was on duty. I was in uniform. Mm -hmm. And uh, I look up and I see that they're just like in the movies when they move the, the plate of glass, like through the intersection and you expect a car to mm -hmm. come blasting through the plate of glass, except that these guys weren't carrying it. Uh, what do I want to say? They weren't carrying vertically. it vertically, right? They were carrying it horizontally, like, Incredible. A, like a coffee table. Mm -hmm. And one of the guys slips. Uh, the the guy holding the back end of the glass slips, and the whole thing just shoots out like kind of like a, almost like a lazy Susan, if you guys are familiar with hmm. that, like kind of on a swivel. It's a circular table uh, uh, dish passer. Yeah, generally yes. in a pantry you might find one. I of think those we're all things. pretty well familiar with a lazy Susan. With a lazy Susan, right? Yeah. So the back end of this swings and it just clips the guy. I mean, perfectly right above the belt line mm -hmm. and almost through the spine not totally through the spine so what happened was his bottom half his legs stayed standing up but his top half just kind of folded over almost like a pull-out couch i was gonna say like familiar. a piss dispenser maybe. i was gonna okay. say like those reach toothbrush commercials Ooh. where the fella can swivel hinge his head all his the way back head. Like I think it's incredible. Snake. All three of us had a really good analogy for what this yeah. chopped in half man would Just look tremendous. like. Well, yeah. that's well, so I'm glad it came through because that's mm -hmm. pretty much the most horrific thing I saw. And the and the interesting part about it was his body was so. What do I want to say? It was split equidistantly. So mm -hmm. when his when his head swiveled over towards his ass, his head hit the ground and he stayed propped up, almost like a sandwich board. Wow. That is That's, physically impressive. It's like a perfect crab walk, but with your head and feet. Mm. Exactly. His, I like his arms were useless at yeah. that point. Mm -hmm. so, now, yeah. what I liked about your story the most is that you said like it was as though it was in a movie, and then years later you were eventually in movies. Right. So isn't it funny how the universe works like that? It is that, funny. Like, I noticed it like that, and about ten years later, I had a full blown career. Mm -hmm. Now, were you, so you were a cop? Sometimes you would be like, "Oh my god, this is exactly like what would be in a movie," and then years later you were in a movie. Did you ever think? Like there was something magical about that. Or, uh, other question, were, were you ever shooting a movie and be like, oh my God, this is exactly like when I was a cop? Yeah, I mean, anytime I was a cop in a movie, I felt like it was exactly like being a cop. Now, mm -hmm. whenever I would play a mobster, yes, that was a, almost the exact opposite of being a cop to me. Because mm -hmm. I think, you know, well... I guess that speaks for itself. It is the exact opposite. Well, you know, you there are similarities, you know. Uh, yeah, there's organization and there's a hierarchy to everything. Mm -hmm. I guess that's that's a similarity that, that exists. But, yeah, I mean, again, every time I was playing a cop, I'd go, wow, this is really just like when I was a cop, you know. And Did then, you ever uh, ruin any takes in a movie because you reacted 
as though you were still a cop. Just you seemed very surprised each time. Ooh, maybe maybe your instincts kicked in, and you were just like, "Oh, I forgot that I was on set for a second. I thought I was back back on the on the on the beat." Uh, I'm trying to think of an example of one time. Uh, oh, you know what? On Manhunter, I played uh, the original uh, um, uh, FBI agent, mm-hmm. right? And uh, and I was uh, I was. No, wait a minute. That was a that was a PA. Hold on a second. That was a what? A production assistant. Okay. Are you currently work? mixing up what was the movie and what was your real life? Yeah, and that happens to me all the time. That honestly. must be confusing. At, at my age, everything gets a little lost in the wash. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let me ask you this, and then you can help. You yeah, can yeah, yeah, try sure, to figure out that sure, story sure. in a minute. Yeah. Um, did you have any performing uh, ambitions at all before Michael Mann started working with you? I think aren't aren't we all performers, even as a cop? Mm-hmm. Aren't I playing a role? I, I suppose I would say yes. Mm-hmm. Did you, you have that experience, Steve Jobs? Like when you were, you know, uh, at the height of your career, when you were every, uh, innovating? Did you ever feel like I'm performing right now? Every moment is an opportunity mm-hmm. to sell yourself in the best possible way. So yes, mm, I think that's fair. Uh, for those of you who are just joining us, we are talking with Dennis Farina and Apple co-founder Steve Jobs. This is Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn. I'd like to pivot over to Steve Jobs for a second. You know, so much has been said about you and written about you and your life. Um, what I'd like to know is how you feel about the direction that Apple has gone in since you have passed away. Like, do you feel as though the new products are living up to your legacy? Am I allowed to curse on this program? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I think it's... Uh it's a tremendous amount of shit. Really? Yeah. You hey, know what? You hate everything that Apple is doing now. I hate different sized iPhones. Mm, I hate, yes. you know, I was on the fence about the iPad to begin with. Okay. I don't, multiple ones. I want simple and I want it the way I want it because that's the way you want it. Jesus. Even if you don't think that's the way you want it, my job is to tell you that that is the way you want it. Mm, I see. And yes. so, like, if you were still running Apple, you would do away with the iPad, you would do away with different sized iPhones. Imagine this mm-hmm. in your pocket, a single device. Is it a computer? Is it a phone? Is it a music player? Is it your own personal thoughts? Yes, it's all of these things. It sounds like you're describing an iPhone. It's not. It will see this every time I do this pitch. People mm-hmm. are like, "Well, that just sounds like an iPhone, Steve." You don't let me finish the pitch ever. Okay, is the is the thing. Well, just you, you created the iPhone. It's such an incredible device. Okay, but this and what device, you're describing sounds exactly like that. In this device, mm-hmm. imagine a computer, thousands of songs. Yes. Your calendars, mm-hmm. your contacts, your photographs. Do you mind if I combined it to maybe um, video games? Have uh, you read my books? Mind? You know, it just it sounds exactly like an iPhone. You know what I could have used. A heartbeat monitor. Ooh. Something to monitor my health would have been great. Oh, boy. Now, see, that's what Apple's doing now with this Apple Watch. You know, it uh, it monitors your heart. We, we don't need that. Imagine... You're against, the, you're against more functionality in your iPhone? Oh, what people didn't realize is that the last several years of my life, um, I wasn't really engaged with the company. And it wasn't until I died that I realized what's been, been going on. Mm-hmm. Imagine in your pocket... A device that tells the time. Yes. That's that's what I want. So mm. so basically an iPhone. Uh, okay, <laughs> well, I don't know. It's that one. Okay. Just it, just sounds, it, just, it just seems us, like no one's listening. how it's different than an iPhone, Steve Jobs. Okay, well, it's not called an iPhone. What's it called? 
Imagine, if you will. Let's pivot uh, for a second. Okay. So um, I read that um, you consider doing LSD to, one of, to be one of the most important things in your life, which Absolutely. I think is kind of weird to hear. Like, you've done so many things, so many influential things, and yet what you thought was most important was just doing LSD, which is something that a, a regular old college kid could do. Well, here's what people don't realize about LSD, mm -hmm. is that it is very cool. And when you do it, mm -hmm. it makes you feel very cool. Yes. And before that... You know, I was a, a guy in a in a garage working with circuit boards. Not not cool. Then I did LSD, and I was able to go. Oh, Steve, you're doing drugs, mm -hmm. man. You're you're cool. You're not a nerd in the garage. All right, you're you know. So if anyone says you're a nerd, you can be like, I, I've done LSD. What have you done? Did that happen to you a lot? Where people like you're a nerd, and you had to come up with reasons why you were not. I had to come up with exceptional comebacks. Mm -hmm. And my Why best, don't you, yeah, hit us with a couple of those comebacks. Okay, I, I have a whole team that's written these uh, mm. for me. But my do you first want me, one, do you want me to insult you and then you can go off? And Ooh, I like this. Yes, yeah, yeah. I'm ready. Hey, get out of here, you nerd! I've done LSD. Oh, sorry, I was wrong about you. Whoa, it's, that's a, that was effective. It works in any situation. Dennis Farina, I gotta ask. I mean, you're you're an incredible actor. I yeah. believe that you could fake that if you wanted. Like, was that a legit response that you had to to his comeback? I think you have to use the truth. That's honestly how I feel mm -hmm. about it. That is how I go works. with what my reaction is, and it gets filtered through the character. But a lot of times, they're one and the same. Just like I said, when I'm playing a cop, it feels just like when I was a cop. Mm -hmm. You know, the only thing that felt different to me, again, just to kind of circle back around, was when I would play a mobster. Yes. That was very different. That was the opposite end of the Because mobsters break the law. Exactly. Cops... cops try to enforce it. And sometimes one does the other and the other does the other, if that makes any kind of sense. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who are just joining us, this is Famous Dead People. And my guests today are Dennis Farina and Apple co-founder Steve Jobs. Uh, so far, Mr. Jobs, there have been two fictionalized movies about your life. One starring Ashton Kutcher and one starring Michael Fassbender. Crap. Really? Yeah. I was like, that, that was that was my question. Was which did you like better? Did you have any preference for like performance, that sort of thing? Can I just say Ashton Kutcher mm -hmm. is an American treasure? I mean, I think that nobody's gonna argue with and that. Michael Fassbender is not American. Yes, German, I think. Nobody German really knows. by heritage, I believe he's a British actor. Ooh, conspiracy theory. Mm -hmm. Maybe Michael Fassbender lying about his nationality. It's it's just that uh, Ashton Kutcher made me look, you know, so cool. Mm -hmm. uh, and Fassbender, he, he made me look a little difficult. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that there's uh, a lot of evidence to suggest that you were maybe a that's incorrect, controversial that's or incorrect. caustic hey, person. I will destroy you. Yeah, you see, but I, I feel like this is evidence of what I'm saying. I don't like, know what you mean. Maybe you are... If I was still alive, I would break your legs. Really? I'm so sorry, I blocked out for a second. Mm, kind of flew off the handle there, Mr. Jobs. I don't know what you mean. Mm. I've been told, and I don't think this is true because it's ridiculous, that uh, people disagree with me, and mm -hmm. I go into a blind rage where I literally can't see or hear myself for that amount of time, and then I wake up and people tell me I'm a monster and I don't believe them. But mm -hmm. uh, I don't believe that. Nobody, I mean, like so many people in your life that you have been close to and mm -hmm. that you have trusted have mm -hmm. relayed these stories back to you, and you still... You're intractable. Uh, I'm a sensory figure, so I believe what I can see, smell, mm. touch, taste, and what other senses here? are there? Did you yeah, say here? here? I don't know. Did, did I? I don't know. Here, I'm gonna I'm gonna point to my face. Here, see, smell, taste, touch. Do you know that there are other senses? Are there other senses? Yes. Your bones feel vibrations. 
Mm. And also there's little sacks of liquid in your head that uh, are do balance. Okay, mm-hmm. but can't we can't we classify that under touch? In the most extreme sense. Are you disagreeing with me? Because I don't care if you're a superhuman cop. I will find my people. I will break your legs. And then I will break your legs' legs. See, this is exactly what we were talking about. Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. Steve Steve Jobs. Steve, just calm down. This is exactly what we were talking about. You just flew into a blind rage at Dennis Farina. I don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But would you believe us at least? Like, we have two people here, two two bits of evidence Well, what if I told you that uh, I had some crazy religion and I have no evidence for it, but you should believe it? Um, well, if you tell me that that's something that you believe, then I'll believe you, you know? Well, I believe that people believe that I'm flying off the handle. I mm. just don't have to believe what they believe. Mm. I think that there's a... I think your analogy falls apart because there's physical evidence of the things that you have done in your blind rages. Like, you denied that you were your daughter's father for many years. I don't know what you mean, because I don't have any. Oh, my God. You are turning your legs. You are turning I will break your legs a leg. I will break all of the legs. Steve Jobs, turning red and Italian, like an Italian stereotype. You sounded just like my father when he used to get mad at me. I'm sorry, I don't know what you're talking about. Mm. I think, uh, uh, you know, this is something that we should revisit uh, at another time, but I would urge you to do meditation or yoga, just like something to get your rage under control. Oh, I'm I'm into all those things. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you do them, though? Because it doesn't seem like it's having an effect. No, 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 but I forced all of my employees to do it. Mm -hmm. From a distance, you would would, uh, sort of like observe people doing yoga and meditating. I wouldn't watch. I wouldn't wouldn't make eye contact with anybody. Mm -hmm. You didn't have any sort of like rage problems when you were, you know, a cop or then later an actor, would you, Dennis Farina? I did have rage problems, but they were very much at the forefront of my mind, so I wouldn't black out. I'd be fully conscious of what was going on, and I'd, it'd be more of a, a choice for me mm-hmm. to engage with it and say, hey, this actually feels really good to let out all this frustration and all this disappointment and all this sort of uh, resentment towards the world around me, and I would just take it out on a perp. What did you, you know? have uh, What did you have to be resentful for? I mean, uh, I can imagine when you're a cop, you have a lot to be upset about, but... You know, when you're an actor, you know, life seems pretty cherry, right? Ah, uh, that's everybody's assumption, but that's not the case. What's the What's the truth about being a being a a, a, a a working actor? Maybe not the world's most famous, but definitely recognizable on the street. Yeah, easy to I get mean, work. I would say that the number one most challenging part of being an actor is that sometimes your call time might be as early as six a.m. Ooh, that does something rough. like that, mm-hmm. and then you don't know when you're going to be done. It, you might go until I don't know, let's say. 9 30 10 o'clock before you even get a break mm. uh and then you know your meals are brought to you and all that stuff and you have a little bit of uh resentment towards the fact that the craft services only had such and such or so and so available and they never had the pasta the way i like it and stuff like that so you know th- it's not all just being catered to all day long mm-hmm. you know it's funny that you would say that you use that word when you're describing literally being catered to yeah, yeah, literally I was being say catered exactly to. that mm-hmm. yeah now, did you ever miss being a cop? Like, were you like, oh, God, I hate waking up at 6 in the morning. I hate that I'm just hanging out here. Craft services doesn't have what I want. If I was a cop, I could get whatever food I wanted. I could leave. I could I could walk the streets. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's more the, uh, in terms of missing being a cop, it was more like if I didn't like the way you talked to me and I punched you in the face, there would be absolutely no repercussions for that because I would be the cop, mm-hmm. you know. So who's going to arrest the cop? 
So there's a lot of that. And if I was an actor and I punched somebody in the face, a lot of times people would try to call me out on it. Be like, hey, Dennis, calm down. You're not allowed to do that anymore and stuff like that. And I'd mm-hmm. be like, ah, but I'm Dennis Farina. But it's not the same. To say your name is not the same as saying your job title. That's true. You know? Yeah. Um, did you, I mean, uh, when you were a cop, yeah. you know, uh, people, people, there's a lot of talk now about like, the kind of violence that cops do against normal people, you know, like um, uh, uh, people who are unarmed being shot, mm-hmm. you know, pe- uh, people of color, minorities being uh, disproportionately uh, harassed by the police and, and uh, arrested by the police. Mm-hmm. Was this your experience when you were on the force? Yeah, very much so. I mean, that, that was part of being a cop. It's mm-hmm. just kind of. I'm not going to say it was in the training manual, but it was just part of, like, the lexicon of understanding. And this know? is also in the 70s when things are way less progressive. Uh, pretty much so. I mean, you started to have, uh, you know, Gloria Steinem and the Now Movement and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I mean, I remember that stuff I, I would be surprised that the first thing you'd point to was was uh, a second-wave feminism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Gloria Steinem. Uh, well, I just remember that as sort of a progressive movement. That was the first thing on the top of my brain. Why are you surprised? Well, I'm surprised that that would be, uh, the first thing a cop would think of as how it affects his job. Mm -hmm. How did second wave feminism affect the police force in Chicago in the seventies? Well, I remember that the, the, the women on the force at that time, they were like, Hey, why do we have to wear these short skirts all the time? Mm -hmm. I was like, because obviously it's nice to look at for everybody. And then, you know, when they wanted to start wearing pants, I was like, yeah, but that's what men do. Men wear mm-hmm. pants, you know, so why do you want to do that for? Is that how you still feel today? Like, can you understand how a woman would want to just, like, dress in pants if she's going to have a dangerous job like being a cop? Yeah, if the pants were tight, you know, if they were sort of <laughs> tailored and then they showed off a nice apple bottom, uh, then, I would, then I would be all for pants. I mean, it's not very progressive what you're saying. You're still judging these women by the way that they look. Well, at Apple, I will say that we... we uh, 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 address this issue head on, mm-hmm. and I forced all of my employees to wear a complete unisex uh, pant skirt while at work. Really? So even Kinda like even, a tunic? Well, we called it the the smoonic. The smoonic. Yeah. Someone was fired uh, when they came up with that name because it's terrible. Mm-hmm. But, but you had to keep it for some reason. Uh, I've got a first name that said out loud is the the name we go with policy. Really. People think that Apple are very careful about what we name things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but honestly, when the iPhone came out, they said, what do we call it, Steve? And I went, I... Phone? And, and that was the rule. And so we stuck. had to go with it. Now, it's, see, I would imagine that if you... So you're like the head of Apple. Yes. You know, you, you have this policy that the first thing that is said is the name of the thing. I would institute like a, a company-wide silence... Oh, that, you know. that was the result mm-hmm. as things went on. Because the beginning, you know, I was there with Waz in the garage, and we're like, well, what do we call this? And I literally looked in my hand, and there was an apple, and I just blurted out, Apple! Mm-hmm. And um, Is that how you named also the Apple II? Uh, yeah. And the, what should we call this? I said, Apple II? I Did meant- anybody else accidentally shout out things? It seems like these are all things that you're accidentally shouting out. Let me think back. Well, okay. Wait, so there was a Lisa. What, what can I we... just sorry to jump in? And, yeah. The Apple II was a T O O or T W. I meant T O O, but we had a clause in there that said you could spell <laughs> it whatever way, so long as phonetically it was the same. Just mm-hmm. it was said that way. Yeah, I meant right. Apple as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then later the I was eating that same apple. Well, it was a different apple, but the same kind. So mm-hmm. this one, I was like ah, Macintosh. 
Anybody ever accidentally name anything else besides you? I'm thinking. This seems because it just um I would I would be hard pre- I I'm imagining a scenario where you know there's a janitor and he's like cleaning the office and you guys all have this brand oh, new product. Yes. And- did you ever um did you hear about our first attempt at the portable uh device? The Newton. No, 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 no. The there's vomit in the corner. <laughs> that was our first attempt at that. And that specifically was named by a janitor. A janitor who's cleaning up vomit in the corner. Yeah. We never determined whose vomit it, it was, but it was mm-hmm. not our strongest seller. Did you then have to completely redesign it so that you created a brand new product that you could call the Newton? I wasn't there for the Newton. Mm. No, yeah, I remember that. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, it was before the Newton. People mm-hmm. say the Newton is the, the big failure, and there's vomit in the corner. So you invented, so you invented the there's vomit in the corner. It was a revolutionary device. You were Imagine. fired. You yes. were fired. And then they reinvented as the Newton, renamed it as the Newton. Well, it was totally different. Mm-hmm. There's vomit in the corner was much more innovative. Mm-hmm. Imagine in your pocket a computer, a music playing device. Again, I just, this just sounds like an iPhone. It really does. But it wasn't. Sorry. It was a there's vomit in the corner. Okay. So it was called a there's vomit in the corner. Yeah, we actually had the iPhone technology uh, 20 years early. Really? We just named it there's vomit in the corner and uh, didn't quite take off. You're saying the iPhone that you eventually developed and released in the 2000s, you could have made that? I made it. I did. You, you did? Yeah. Did you? Did you? Why didn't you release it to the public? Well, we did, but nobody noticed because we said, hey, there's vomit in the corner and everyone just kept looking in the corner to try to clean up vomit and there was a good year where everyone was just saying there's not vomit in the corner Mm -hmm. and you know we hadn't figured out our pr at that do you think this had anything to do with the reason why you were let go at apple computers I don't know what you're insinuating, mm. Jared. It seems like a dangerous territory. Let's you don't break. insinuate that I was fired because of that I made it. I don't understand I why break you legs. becoming Italian. I break your legs and legs. I find all other legs, the chicken legs, whatever day. I get break. Um, daddy, daddy, wake up. Did you say, did you say daddy? Well, when he talks like that, he sounds just like my dad. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> It's all right. I'm I just saying really, out. No, when you right. get angry, you sound like an Italian version of a leprechaun. I have heard it's that. Very and bizarre. And I don't believe it. Really, really weird. Um, I'm going to ask you. So uh, Dennis Farina had the the pleasure of having two full careers in his life. He was a cop. He was a successful cop. He eventually became a consultant and then an actor, a very successful actor. But you were really just Steve Jobs, inventor, co-founder of Apple, uh, visionary. Did you ever wish that you had a second career? Some, just like, you, you, know, just, you just listed three, right? Stretch there. your wings. Well, they're all like loosely related, though. You know, cop is very different from actor, even if that actor uh, is just playing cops. I did, or mobsters. I, or mobsters. Mm, I did have one other potential uh, career. You know, devil sticks? Mm-hmm. Okay, not those. But the, it's like devil sticks, but the sticks have a string between it and sort of a double top. Yes. You see those guys out. You see people in the park doing that a lot. Yeah. Flipping up. Anywhere there's a drum circle, you'll see guys with that little. Oh, with the thing in the middle that looks like a dreidel? Mm -hmm. Is that the one you're talking about? That's exactly right. Yeah. It's my great passion. I don't know what it's called. (laughs) Um, Why don't you just (laughs) label it? Right now. Okay. Mm -hmm. But you know what you're getting into. I do. Ooh, it's the you know what you're getting into. 
Oh, oh, that's it. That's it. That's it's it. just whatever first word you have to say. Which is ironic because people do not know what they're getting into. <laughs> when they get into the, you don't know what you're getting into. Mm-hmm. You don't know the hours of fun you're going to you, you know did, what you're getting did into. Did you do that? I mean, did you have any experience Constantly. doing that? Or did you just see it uh, from a distance? You used to do it all the time. I was, I was, I couldn't uh, keep it uh, in the air mm-hmm. for more than a couple moments. It frustrated me to no end. It was the only thing I ever did where I felt like I wasn't good at it. And mm-hmm. so I was determined to uh, conquer it. And, uh, you know, success got in the way. Mm, I see. Um, I find it so bizarre that you would feel as though the one thing that you couldn't do was a potential second career. Well, it could have been. Mm-hmm. You know, I was so close to being the coolest. You know, I did the LSD. Yes. And so I was halfway there. Mm-hmm. And then the other part would be to be really good at, you know, what you're getting into. I think that you have a weird definition of what cool is. Like, this cool person just does drugs and plays with that little hippie toy. You know, if you had just followed fish around, you could have been what you think is cool. No, I'm I'm ironically a pescatarian. Hmm? Not ironically. (laughs) You're a Presbyterian? I am that as well. I'm a Pesca Presbyterian. Pesca Presbyterian. A Pesca Presbyterian, which means that we believe that all of the fish we are going to eat in our life have been preordained. Mm-hmm. Right. No Pope. No. Gotcha. <laughs> we got to take a break. Uh, we'll, we'll be right back with more famous dead people with Dennis Farina and Steve Jobs. Stay with famous us. Famous dead people. Famous dead people. Hey everybody, just want to take a quick break to remind you to subscribe to Famous Dead People on iTunes, and if you're so inclined, rate us five stars and leave a comment. That stuff helps us out a ton. And feel free to hit us up at FamousDeadPeopleShow at gmail.com if you want a specific Famous Dead person on the show, or if you have any comments or whatever. We love hearing from you guys. And lastly, if you really like this show and you want to send us some money to help keep us on the air, go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com slash FamousDeadPeople and click on the Support This Show button Thanks again for listening, and now back to the show. Welcome back to Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn. Famous Dead People, the only show that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. I'm your host, Jared Berenstein. We are here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. My guests in the studio today are actor Dennis Farina and Apple co-founder Steve Jobs. Uh, Now, Mr. Farina, in your career, you tended to play cops, or mobsters, as we just, you know, we already discussed this a little bit. Um, but there obviously are connections between those two characters because you played them so often. Like, they, you wouldn't be cast as both if there wasn't some connection between the two, right? Well, I think the connection between the two for me was, one, I was a cop, and then, two, I was Italian. So if they were hiring the cop, Dennis Farina, then I would show up as the cop. But if mm-hmm. they were hiring Dennis Farina, the last name, Farina and the heritage Farina that I pretty much knew I was going to be a mobster on that flick. Mm-hmm. Did, did you find that offensive at all that you were like, oh, just because I'm Italian, I could be a, a person who's breaking the law? No, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that everybody I knew that wasn't a cop that was Italian was in the mob. Mm. So that was just a reality of life for me. Really? Yeah. Did you ever have to put anybody in jail that you like grew up with or... That was related to you because, as you say, the only two people that were Italian and in Chicago at the time were either cops or mobsters. Right. So if I would run into somebody who I knew was uh, their nose was a little crooked or something and I was in uniform and, and stuff like that, instead of arresting them, I would just, you know, I'd say, hey, Salvino, let me punch you in the face, rough you up a little bit. 
give you a slap on the wrist and you get out of here. So mm-hmm. I was trying not to arrest anybody that I knew, but we also had the understanding that, you know, nobody rides for free. And uh, if I come across your path, then I'm pretty much going to have to punch you in the face. Did you ever worry that maybe one of these mobsters was going to come seek vengeance? I mean, you were so visible when you started becoming an actor. Like, maybe someone that you put away would come come back at you now that they knew where you were. Right. And so what I would do with that is instead of bef- – I would kind of nip it in the bud and uh, and uh, kind of invite that person on set as a consultant. And that way they felt like they were being taken care of and they were important. So you would hire mobster consultants for your movie sets? Right. It's how I started out with Michael Mann, right? I was a, I was a, a cop. Did, you know. did anybody else be- have a, a successful acting career after that? As Oh, I see what you're saying. Did yeah, are there launch- actors who are – who are working now, who used to be in the mob, but you hired to be consultants and now are successful actors. What's the most famous one? Mm-hmm. Um, Roseanne Barr. Roseanne Barr was in the mob. Get out. Came after you. You hired her as a consultant, and then she started her acting career from that? That's exactly how it happened. That yeah. is, I find that fascinating. Isn't She's that, uh, Italian? She is Italian. Her, her full name is Roseanne Barino. <laughs> and, uh, Isn't she from Utah? I thought she started in stand-up also. She did do a little stand-up, but mm. there's no law that says anybody who's in the in the family can't uh, go out and make people laugh. That's so true. There's nothing wrong with that necessarily. And as far as I know, she mostly did just secretarial work, again, because she was a woman. So we have to limit mm. women to what they're able to do, and uh, that's secretarial work. Even the stand-up was a, was a pretty big departure. So in then why times. did the mob send their secretary to come and find you? And then you had to protect yourself by hiring her as a consultant. Right. So that's that's what they would do is they would send scouts out, you know. Okay. And so they wouldn't soak up all their time because they're busy guys. I mean, they're killing people and they're running rackets and whorehouses and all that stuff. So they don't have time to go hunt people down necessarily. So that's mostly what the secretaries do. Mm-hmm. The secretaries in the morning, they'll come in, they'll make the coffee, <laughs> they'll schedule everything out for the day. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of times they'll hit the road. And they'll be all all over the country saying, yeah, I got this guy. He's at a Motel 6 on, on uh, Franklin Avenue or something like that. But they would never do anything violent to you. They had an opportunity. They, they take it. But, uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, you're on the street or whatever. They're, mm-hmm. they're not going to have the balls to do something like that. Did Roseanne Barr have any bodies under her belt? Was she responsible for any mob hits? Roseanne Barr did not have any bodies under her belt, but I believe she's responsible for launching the stand-up career of Brett Butler. So that's... <laughs> Now, Mr. Jobs, um, I read on your Wikipedia page that you're, you're one of the few people that have had uh, their last words recorded. Uh, and your last words, I'd like to ask you about them. Incidentally. <laughs> I'd like to ask you a little bit about that. Uh, I hope it's not too painful. Your last words were, quote, oh, wow, oh, wow, oh, wow. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I was trying to name the upcoming <laughs> Apple car. And uh, that's, that's what came out. So legally, they're contractually obligated. So call that's why it's been so Apple delayed. Apple Car, the oh, wow, oh, wow, oh, wow. Uh, we present the oh, wow, oh, wow, oh, wow. That's fascinating. I think it's a solid, solid product. That's man. weird. I mean, so many people have uh, postulated that you were, like, looking at some afterlife or were experiencing oh, no, no, life no, healing no, your no. body, leaving your body. Oh, there's nothing after death. But uh, <laughs> I just figured... We had such success with the iPhone, the iPod, the iPad that I wanted it a new a new letter. Mm. Oh. oh, so wow. the oh wow would have been the car. Oh, wow, the 
the Apple car would have been called oh, wow. the Oh Wow. Oh Wow. Oh Wow. Oh yeah. Mm, interesting. Because you drive that thing, and it exists. I invented it. Uh, the when first when did you invent the Apple car? 1984. I find that very hard to believe. You had a working iPhone. You had a working Apple car. Self-driving. Self-driving Apple car in the well, 80s. Well, here's the thing. We were sitting there going around and we go, what are we going to name this Apple car? And somebody came in and, and said, my my face won't stop bleeding. Because <laughs> it was a, a tag, tag football game that got out of hand. Mm-hmm. So we had to name the car the Oh My Face Won't Stop Bleeding. Mm-hmm. Incidentally, also an O mm-hmm. product. And uh, so we went with it, and it w- it integrated with the There's Vomit in the Corner. I pitched all of this at the same time. Did you ever think, like you're the head of the company, to change the law that says the first thing that's said is the name of the new product? That would imply that my first decision wasn't perfect. So no. And that was not your decision, though, like in the case of the There's Vomit in the Corner. Well, I the decision to make this reality as it is was mine. I'm I'm sorry. The make this reality the way it is. My company, my existence. Mm-hmm. When I decide that something is a certain way, there's there's no other way but forward. Hmm. Interesting. You know, this is why people keep telling me that molasses is not a condiment one uses liberally, and uh, I decided that was wrong, and that's been my motto. Ever since. That molasses is a condiment that you could use liberally? Not to be used liberally. Not to be used liberally. No, no, no. It is one that you should use liberally. I find that I I don't see the connection between those two ideas. Okay, so it's a very complicated backstory. (laughs) All you need to know is that I made this decision. Mm -hmm. Molasses is a condiment that should be used liberally in all contexts. And people find this hard because most people don't like molasses pure at all Mm -hmm. you know what now that you're talking about molasses this actually brings a question up for me what do you think of the black mirror show that's going on oh yeah i mean there's a lot of uh you know um uh crossover between the ideas in the black mirror series and products that you created well i haven't seen it but uh i'm assuming they stole all my ideas Mm, it's possible uh for those of you who are just joining us we are Talking with actor Dennis Farina and Apple co-founder Steve Jobs here on Famous Dead People. Um, I don't want to bring up what might be a painful memory for you, Mr. Farina, but I understand that in 2008 you got arrested for trying to bring a gun onto a plane. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct. Mm -hmm. You didn't know. I mean, you were a cop for so long, you surely knew that that was against the law. Well, I figured I'm a cop, so I'm allowed to have a gun wherever I go. Were you still a cop, though? Like, you just, when you're a cop, you just cop for the rest of your life? No, I wasn't active duty, no. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I figure everybody knows, hey, there's Dennis Free, that guy's a cop. If he's got a loaded 22 in his briefcase, then that's what he needs to do to get the job done. Mm-hmm. Now, they said that you, you said, oh, I don't, I forgot that it was in there. Right. You know, and then they found out that the gun was also unregistered. Right. Why, Dennis Farina, would you have an unregistered gun with you? Because the reason why it was unregistered is that's my original service pistol. Mm-hmm. So that was given to me upon my graduation from the academy in uh, nineteen late 1959. Uh, so I had had that piece with me from there on out, and it was never registered because it was always mine. You know, everybody knew, hey, what what's that little silver job over there? That's Dennis's service piece. Mm-hmm. That's how it was registered. Was everybody just knew, hey, that's Dennis's service piece. There, I mean, but... You know, you had this gun for so long. You didn't think that you should register it at some point in your life? 
No, it had been registered. When I graduated from the academy, they gave it to me. They said, this is your service piece. Never let it out of your sight. And that's exactly what I did. I mean, I can understand how at the time it was a little bit more liberal if everybody around you just knew that was your gun and that kind of counted. But this was 2008. Surely you knew that the that the laws had progressed to a point where you actually had to put it down in writing. No, I mean, you know, yeah, I can see where your question is coming from. But for me, I stopped paying attention to laws and the adjustments <laughs> therefore and forward from that point. Once I graduated from the academy, I figured mm -hmm. that's what the laws I was required to know were. And uh, if they change, well, then that's somebody else's business, not mine. So you just you just do whatever you want and the lobby damned. Well, I'm, I'm really connecting with this uh, <laughs> philosophy. <laughs> Uh, most people don't know this, but um, we released an incredible device in 2003 to 5. Imagine, if you will, in your pocket, a computer, right. a mm -hmm. watch, a music player, an automatic pistol. Ooh, okay. That product is in your pocket right now. It's called the iPhone. I'm sorry, so are you suggesting you that... All of our iPhones are also guns? Yes. Every we, iPhone is a gun. We forgot to put it in the manual. There is, uh, you know the you know the, the Stocks app? Mm -hmm. No one uses it. No, no, I don't think I've ever used it. That's just the entry into gun. <laughs> uh, That's, you know, there's all kinds of <laughs> hidden stuff. Just like when you go to In-N-Out and there's stuff on the menu yes. that you got to know about exactly. in order to be able to order it. It's like a monster gun. <laughs> yeah. Right? Monster okay. sauce for your iPhone. Everyone on the plane has a loaded uh, weapon. Every every human with an iPhone has a loaded weapon on them? Oh, yes, and it's always loaded. And it's always loaded. Is there any way to disable that or to unload it? Uh, not unless you have to go to the Genius Bar, mm -hmm. and they'll replace it with a blade. Why Why did you decide to do this? Why, why did you think that everybody in America, in the world, needed to have a gun on them? Because I had a vision okay. of having... One device in your pocket that is your computer, that is your watch, that is your car, that is your weapon, that is literally everything. I'm sorry that you said is, our, is your car also? Yes, absolutely. Are you suggesting that everyone's iPhone is a gun and a car also? Oh, yeah. Your phone currently has an app that is the, oh, my face won't stop bleeding. <laughs> and an oh, wow, 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 wow. Uh, and an oh, wow, 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 wow. Mm -hmm. So we could... Use our phones to turn into cars that we want. You know when you put your password in wrong too many times yes. and it locks you out and then it just gives you the option for an emergency number? Mm -hmm. Well, when you call the emergency number, it doesn't go to 911. You, your phone turns into a car and it takes you places. That's incredible. All kinds of hidden menu items on <laughs> <Yeah>. this. <laughs> yeah. We just forgot to put it in the manual. We don't, you know. We don't have a lot of text. That's our thing. It's wait, 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 wait. Mm -hmm. You forgot to put something in the manual? Doesn't that imply that you made a mistake? Ooh, not impervious to flaws. When somebody points out... Oh, here it comes. With I was that kind of a mistake. We will find the legs of all of the animals in the world. Snipper, snipper, snipper. Oh, go to bed. You've been a bad boy. All right, I'm disappointed with you. I'm so sorry. Come here. A smacker. Yes, you have been a disappointment to me my whole life. I'm going to do better, Daddy. What am I going to see? I'm going to be a copper. Then I'm going to be a famous actor. Believe it or what I see it, but first I'm gonna die before you can uh, prove it to me in my eyes. Steve, I'm sorry. What happened? 
It was wow. very good for me. I'll tell you that. I got oh, a lot of stuff said feels, that was never said before. It feels therapeutic. I feel yeah. like we all got some. I think we all got a lot out of that. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, so, Mr. Jobs, um, I read that at your funeral, you gave everybody who attended a farewell gift box. Is that true? Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. The box contained in it uh, a computer, a watch, Did a gun, just, It was just an iPhone. Car. Was it just an iPhone? Mm-hmm. Yes. So everybody had an iPhone in their box that you gave everybody an no, no, iPhone? It was, it was the box. I mean, a phone is a box. Mm-hmm. It's just a very flat one. Yes. I gave everyone an iPhone. We had a bunch sitting around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was going to say that that's very, um, you know, I don't know, uh, warm gesture. You know, everybody's grieving your loss, so you give them all a present, but you just gave them a couple of iPhones that were hanging out around the office? Yeah, they weren't even new ones. There were th- I think there were three Gs. Were they refurbished? No. They're from, straight old. They're from the, that basket under the Genius Bar. Mm-hmm. That's like, oh, if we need them, you know? Mm, I see. Now, I read that one of the contents of the box, and if it, if it was just an iPhone, then this really this does track with that. Uh, one of the items in the box was the, the book Autobiography of a Yogi. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Was there, like, a connection that you had with that book you felt everybody yes. should read? Listen, there is no place, fictional or real, in the world that I connect with more than Jellystone Park. Jellystone <laughs> Yeah, the home of Yogi. I'm sorry. Yogi the fictional Steve Jobs, have you read an autobiography of a yogi? I read the entire title. You... <laughs> And I tell you what, I because like, you know this that is for me. That book has nothing to do with hey, Yogi Bear. Boo-boo. It has nothing to do with Yogi Bear. I haven't. Brian Rage right now. Are you doing <laughs> No, no, no. Sorry. When I get so happy, I mm-hmm. go into a different kind of blind, quote unquote, blind rage. joy. Mm-hmm. That's a blind joy. All right. Yeah, you are getting it right now. I'll tell you what, Abubu. We're gonna have some picnic buns. Oh my God! Now he sounds like my dad <laughs> when I was growing up. <laughs> Jared. This is, what, this is what my dad used to. Oh, I don't have any issues that Jared I work out. My dad, Berenstein. Yep. Yeah. There's it's a. It's also a bear. Mm-hmm. Berenstein bears. Mm-hmm. Uh, <coughs> Sorry. What just happened? Mm-hmm. Wow. I had no idea you had these fugue states in you, Steve Jobs. I don't believe I do. Mm. Uh, so I guess I, I don't want to burst your bubble here, buddy. But um, this book that you gave everybody on your death at, at your funeral. Mm-hmm. Has nothing to do with Yogi Bear. It is about a spiritual leader. I I know, and this confusion happens all the time. Mm-hmm. I know it has nothing to do with Yogi Berra. He's a baseball player, <laughs> but the spiritual leader, you are correct, is that lovable scamp mm-hmm. Yogi Bear. No, it has nothing to do with Yogi Bear. Besides in Jellystone, nothing, nothing to do with Yogi Bear. Nothing to do with Boo Boo Fellow. Boo-boo. Nothing to do with picnic baskets. Yogi. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, Mr. Farina, you have had such an incredible career. I'd like to ask you, if you're all right with this, um, about some of your lesser-known movies. You know, I'd like to... So I'll just give you the title of the movie, and you can tell us what that was about. Maybe tell us some stories about, like, your time on set. Um, And, uh, Steve, if you remember any of these movies, you know, feel free to chime in. Oh, I know every uh, single one. As well. So this is an early... Dennis Farina movie called Mac. Are you familiar with the movie Mac? And put your phone, put your iPhone down, please. Uh, this imagine, if you will, <laughs> a device that can tell you your own filmography <laughs> for the movies that you've forgotten you've done, mm-hmm. and it exists in your pocket. Mm-hmm. And Do you mind if I see uh, your phone really quickly? I love this. I mm-hmm. love what's Just happening. Like to, uh, Great. Check this out really quickly. Yeah. All right. So yeah, tell us all about Mac. Uh, Mac was a movie about a kid in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. I played a cop. <laughs> 
uh, who uh, was trying to help this kid uh, who was concealing an alien. Mm-hmm. It was kind of an E.T. ripoff. Mm-hmm. If you remember E.T. Actually, Do that, you guys remember that E.T.? That movie was called Mac and Me, but this movie that you were in was just called Mac by itself. Yeah, no, I remember the movie I was mm-hmm. in. It was called Mac. It was about this kid in a wheelchair. So you're saying there are two movies that were E.T. ripoffs that both had Mac in the title? Yours was called Mac, and the other was called Mac and Me? And there was a third one called Mac and Cheese, which was <laughs> different. It was about a kid who was made out of macaroni and cheese who was also in a wheelchair who also was concealing an alien. So basically Tremendous what happened stuff. was one ripoff led down the line to another. So mm-hmm. the first ripoff was mine, was mm-hmm. Mac. It was about the kid in a wheelchair and a cop. Then there was Mac and Me. They added... Uh, cop, kid in a wheelchair, then the alien. And then mm. there was Mac and Cheese. Well, I'm sorry. No, kid. I so Mac, to... the first Mac, didn't even have an alien in it, and it was an E.T. ripoff? No, yeah, it was just about, it was just about <laughs> me and this kid in a wheelchair. I just want to point out that you said the first ripoff was right. Mac. Right. So what was that ripping off? E.T. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm on board now. <laughs> but the problem with the first ripoff was... you really was... proud of yourself, Steve Jobs. Right. You, really, you really caught him. <laughs> the problem mm. with the first ripoff was, if you're going to rip off a movie that's a, all about a kid... In his relationship with an alien, you got to have the alien. That's what they missed with my oh. with my mm. Mac. I see. And then he fixed that with Mac and me, and then they went on to Mac. And so Mac and me was a do over. Yeah. Now let's move on to uh, this movie, uh, Jojo Dancer. Your life is calling. That's right. Are you familiar with the movie Jojo Dancer? Your life is calling. I am. I played a cop who uh, wanted to be a dancer. So we were going through, we were exploring sort of uh, along parallel lines, my own journey into show business where a cop decides to be an actor. Mm -hmm. But this one, the cop's name was Jojo, and he felt like, hey, I'm doing this thing over here, but I really feel like my my honest calling is to be a dancer. So uh, uh, they changed the last name to Dancer, Mm -hmm. and then they said, hey, by the way, your life is calling. Mm, Okay. Who else was in that movie? Uh, who else was in that movie? Gina Davis, uh, Dan DeVito, uh, Gina Gershon. Whoa. Uh, who else was in that? Um, who's the big guy from Police Academy? The big defensive end, uh, Bubba, Bubba you, White. Are you thinking of uh, Hightower? Yeah, from Hightower. The Police Academy yeah, movies. It's Bubba White. That movie sounds incredible. Yeah. Uh, do you remember the movie Eddie that you were in? Yeah, Eddie, I actually played a basketball coach. It was a departure for me. <laughs> but. Here's the deal. In my and this never came out. This never came out in the movie. But in my mind, I knew that this basketball coach had come from being a cop. Oh, so he, had, he was a cop. So that was first. a part of your own personal backstory. Yeah, I, I, just, a, just a little bit of backfill for me to, to mm. be able to execute the performance. But uh, it never showed up on screen. But again, it was in there. And just I in your face. But it did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Steve. We all saw it. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the movie Big Trouble. Big Trouble was uh, a, a ripoff of uh, another movie I've, that later. I've literally seen this movie. You've that, seen Big Trouble? That, I sure have. Okay. Well, okay, so you're, you'll be familiar with mm-hmm. all this stuff. Later on, it became Big Trouble in Little China with mm, Kurt Russell. Nope, nope. No, sorry. that was a second nope, ripoff. Not true. Not true nope, at all. Yeah. Okay. No, I know what if I'm saying. So, hey, you listen. say so, but I'm just saying chronologically, that makes no sense whatsoever. Okay, well, you know, I guess we're It was written much earlier. <laughs> Even though it's based off a Dave Barry book that came out after the movie <laughs> Big Trouble in Little China, Dave Barry's book was thought of way before Big Trouble in Little right. China. That's right, and a lot of people don't know this either. Dave Barry is the brother of Rick Barry, former Golden State Warrior greats who fathered John Barry and Rick Barry Jr. Didn't know that. Yeah. No, that's all new information to me. Yeah. So what was the plot of Big Trouble? Big Trouble was about this cop who uh, had befriended um, this, uh, this sort of uh, mobster, 
And so I ended up playing both roles. Mm. This was the first time in my career that I had done sort of a dual role in the same picture type deal. And the thing was, the cop gets in big trouble because he's friends with this mobster. And mm. guess what else happens? The mobster, he's also in big trouble because you're not supposed to be friends with a cop. Yeah, yeah, the so, mob doesn't like that. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, we explore the relationship of uh, these two guys going through life and their each of their trials and tribulations. Did you ever think because like you have so much experience playing both cops and mobsters that you right. could do like a, a a double team playing your own twin sort of a thing in this movie? Like you that's what there were big trouble. You did. Oh, so you played both the cop I and played the mobster. both roles. I played oh, both the cop okay. and the mobster. Can yeah. I give away the twist? Yeah. At the end of the movie. We zoom into his both of their faces as they stare at each other for the last big showdown, and they're going to kill each other, but they don't want to. Mm-hmm. They zoom into we their eyes. I'm sorry, we should say spoiler alert for anybody that's spoiler listening. Alert. Spoiler listening. Big trouble. Spoiler alert. Zooms big into trouble. his eye, and then zooms out, and you see that he's a comatose patient Ooh. in a police mob hospital. The wait, I'm sorry. In a he's in a police, police hospital, but he's being treated by a, by a mob doctor. Yeah, well, I'm sorry. There, it's so, just it, it's implied. You somehow you know just from the <laughs> shot that it's a, a mob influenced police hospital, <laughs> and that all of the movie took place in his head. Is that a thing that really exists? Are there hospitals that are financed by the mob? Financed by the mob, but the doctors are all police. Is that what you said? It's almost the opposite of what you just said. There's oh, police okay. hospitals, mm-hmm. but once in a while, if you don't like the surgeon that's on duty or something like that, you can call in your own guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that person would be a mob doctor? That person would generally be a mob doctor, somebody who had been disbarred. Mm-hmm. Our, our medical uh, professionals, do they have disbarred? Dis- the yeah. bar? I had several disbarred doctors <laughs> at the end of my life who came in as third, fourth, fifth mm. opinions. That's actually something I wanted to ask you about, uh, Mr. Yeah. Jobs, is that you were diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. It was a rare form of pancreatic cancer that was actually very treatable. Mm-hmm. And you decide, though, to eschew treatment and just do uh, uh, a vegan diet, mostly fruit and vegetable-based diet. The part uh, of the diet that people didn't know mm -hmm. is in everyone's pocket right now. There is a function because Mm. everything is in your iPhone. You seem skeptical. I'm I'm a little skeptical just because you've said that my phone is, in addition to all the wonderful things that I know that it is, you're saying that it's also a gun and a car. Well, if we've listed everything, it would be overwhelming. Mm. It would sound ridiculous. So some people notice these things, and mm-hmm. when you activate one of these things, the first thing the phone says, Siri goes, shh, don't go tell him now. And that's the reason why nobody talks about the fact that the iPhone has a gun and a car in it is because yeah. Siri asks you to not tell anybody. Well, Siri has She gigs. gets sassy. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only time she shows any sass. And a, a video pops up, and it's the only time you see Siri. Mm-hmm. So she looks at you and goes, don't go tell him now. Ooh, and what does Siri look like, by the way? Well... <laughs> I can't tell you. You have to discover this. But I have told you how to activate it. Okay. If you want to get to the uh, cancer killing app, all you got to do is you have to open both the home kit and your contacts at the same time Mm. and just go. The problem is that. <laughs> See, close, but not close enough. Sounds about right. To open it. To me, if that was me, Dennis Farina, I would let you have the cancer treatment. Will, well, this is the problem. I could never even quite get it mm-hmm. right. Uh, so you had your own cancer treatment in your hands, but you I couldn't just, activate it. I just, you know, I said, 
whatever the password is, it's the first thing that I say. Mm-hmm. And I said something like, I was listening to some world music. That 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 rule of yours has caused so many problems in your career. I really think you should have. I think it was all meant. To you be. should have changed it. Um, you know, whenever I was doing my, um, you know what you're getting yourself into. You know what you're getting yourself into. <laughs> out on the quad. You know, there's sort of a a soundtrack in my head going, and it was sort of like a... So I was thinking about that, and I said, Mm -hmm. well, the the password is that. And I just said it, and none of us could remember exactly how I said Mm -hmm. it, so I never got the cancer treatment. Now, so let's talk about regrets, because we've already already talked about how this rule maybe made your life a little bit more difficult, a little bit more awkward, maybe ruined, maybe destroyed your life, maybe killed you. Do you... Let's, let, I'll just go down the list. Do you have any regrets that you had this law where you had to name things the first thing that came out of your mouth? Uh, well, you want to check Apple's stock prices, and then you <laughs> tell me. All right? All right, second question. Do you have any regrets that you did not do what the doctors wanted you to do and instead did a vegetable and fruit diet? The inefficiency <clears throat> of the medical profession mm-hmm. is not worth the trouble. The elegance of the eye cancer <laughs> treatment <laughs> Would have really blown you away. I'm sorry, you called it the eye cancer treatment. Yeah. Is that what you said when you found out? <laughs> yeah. I was really eye, distraught. Eye cancer? I said, eye uh, cancer treatment. And that one actually fit. That one fit pretty well. <laughs> that one yeah. fit better than some of the other names. Honestly, I'm surprised that so many of the names ended up fitting, like the iPhone and the uh, the iPad. When I'm put under pressure, the first thing I go, and then I look. And I say what I saw. This reminds me a little bit about the movie, uh, the Dennis Farina movie, Purple Violets. You're familiar with that movie, right, great, Mr. Farina? Great, great film. Why don't you, uh, uh, would you mind telling us a little bit about the plot of Purple yeah, Violets? In 1991, uh, Purple Violets <laughs> was about a cop who uh, decides that he wants to be a painter. And so he trains himself to be the most uh, famous oil-on-canvas painter in the world. But mm. the only subject that he feels uh, sort of inspired by his purple violets. Mm, and it's all about the exploration of we, this cop. We've only got one, time for one more movie. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about the movie, National Lampoon's Bag Boy? National Lampoon's Bag Boy is about a cop who uh, <laughs> has this dream of being a uh, working in a grocery store and being mm-hmm. a bag boy. Yeah. doing all the stuff that bag his, boys His dream is to be a bag boy? His dream is to be a bag boy. And I can't judge it. We're all inspired to be what we want to be, but, you know, we all start off as cops. Mm-hmm. So um, th- that, that was that one. <laughs> I love how all these movies that I've asked you about uh, are about cops. So yeah. you're, you're basically oh. starring in all of these movies. Yeah. I well, have no idea that you had so many starring roles. I think that's why you hired Dennis Farina, isn't it? Because <laughs> you want a star? Yes, yeah. except for that basketball movie. <laughs> but again, I knew the backfill on that one. Right? <laughs> well, that is all for this week's episode of Famous Dead People. I'd like to thank my guests, Dennis Farina and Steve Jobs, for joining us in the studio today. Uh, I got one final question for you guys. I know it's a little bit weird, but do either of you have any uh, comedy shows or, or Twitter accounts or anything like that that you want to plug, like anything that you're a really big fan of? Yeah, I like this guy, Christian Palak. You can check him out at christianpalak.weebly.com. And then, uh, you know, there's a show called The Armando Diaz Experience every Saturday night at the Magnet Theater uh, at 7.30, and you should check that out, too. And uh, Steve Jobs? Uh, while you're there at the Armando Diaz Experience, there's a show right afterwards called Trike with my favorite improviser on earth, Peter McNerney. You should check that out, and he's on the Internet and on other places. Mm. And he's in your phone right now. Mm. He's Thank literally you. in your phone. <laughs> If you have any questions you'd like to ask your favorite dead person, please email that to us at famousdeadpeopleshow at gmail.com. We'll try to have them on as soon as we can. We're here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. Oh, famous dead people.
famous dead people, famous dead people, famous dead people.